everybody. We're back, and these Matthews are hot. Hot, baby, hot. What's up, Taryn? How we doing, buddy? Uh, yeah, I mean, an awesome week. It just so happens to coincide with when I uh, was visiting the tri-state area. Um, got to go to the game on Friday, so it was an uh, awesome week, and, and glad to see these guys picking it up on both sides, and uh, can't wait to talk about it. I'd like to hear your firsthand description of uh, of what must have been a wild evening at City Field on Friday. Yeah, I I, I went with uh, a couple of buddies of mine that you know, um, Owen and and Al, and uh, both of those guys have been on the pod with us. Um, it was awesome to be able to see those guys. First of all, I, I mean, we walked in the ballpark; it was four nothing, and <laughs> and I was like, oh man, well. At least I'll get to hang out with these guys. I, I don't know how good the game's going to be, but um, the the fight that we have been talking about, uh, and, and we saw it in the Rays series, and we've seen it all all this week, uh, was really evident um, in in, uh, in this sweep. And five straight wins all come from behind wins. That's just awesome. I, I mean. Uh, that never say die kind of attitude that we had last year um, and, and coming back and, and beating the other teams closer so often. I mean, those were things that we, we really loved about the team and they're showing those things again. And uh, maybe all it took was a little bit of new energy, right? Right. I mean, the, the spark that was provided with, um, you know, the call-ups and, and with, you know, Beatty and Alvarez and Avientos, you know, it's not going to be like flipping a light switch, but it sparks everybody else. And you see it now and you see, you know, you get a little success and every you kind of see it spreads like wildfire. And it's it's been awesome to see the resiliency, the clutch hitting. I'm going to take a page from Louis Rojas's book and say connecting at bats because that's what this team is doing right now. They're 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 feasting on pitches that they should be taking care of, that they should be driving and producing on. There, there's almost a, a, a brand new calm at the at the plate that's just evolved now. That like you can tell that the Mets were searching for it for so long, and you know now they've got a bit of a groove. Guys are putting really good at bats together. Um, a huge tip of the cap to Eduardo Escobar. I mean, he's oh, yeah. he's jumped into a you know a a bench role, a very much a part time bench role, and he's done just outstanding with it. I know he had a couple of uh, big hit on Sunday. Um, I want to say he's up pushing like five hundred since he you know took the. I guess a, not a roster demotion, just a job demotion. You know, he took it in stride and. It, it's been um, it's been helpful. Uh, I mean, we could talk about Pete. We could talk about Francisco Alvarez. I do want to talk about the catchers. We'll do that in the second half. But yeah, um, I, I, let me just say something about please. I, I, he is the consummate professional, and we've said that all along. But uh, being able to take that role and run with it while simultaneously just being as supportive as he has been to Beatty, to Vientos, these guys that are cutting into his playtime is, uh, I mean, that's, that's amazing. There, there aren't that many guys. I, I know that there are a lot of good guys in the game, but there aren't that many guys that would not only accept that that was going to happen, but really 
seek to empower the people that were replacing them. And he's just a, a great team guy. And, and the fact that he's been able to contribute in that role now, it, it makes it all the better because, uh, you know, there's a fit for him, not just being a great teammate because he's not a mascot, right? He's, he's a guy that, that they need production out of. And the fact that he's done it, the fact that they can take advantage of his speed, the fact that he can play third, but he can play second also. Um, and so when you have a situation like this, where you have the split double header, Buck wants to give everybody a chance to play. Um, so, so that, um, you know, not, uh, not everybody gets overtired, uh, that, um, just keeping everybody fresh. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. It, it, it just, he is really valuable in that sense. And, and so, it's been exciting to see. I mean, Any really- concerns with um with Vogelback? I know he's like, it's almost been like in like dribs and drabs where he'll show something, but you know, at bats have not been as crisp as they were even in the beginning part of the season where he was being patient. Like it looks like that patience is kind of waned now. Yeah. Um, any yeah. concerns on your part as far as um, uh, on 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 Vogie? Yeah. So I, I mean, on base twice in the first game, so that's good to see, but. One thing that did concern me, you know, he's known as somebody who has a really uh, marvelous eye, but in his last at-bat, or maybe it was his third at-bat in the first game of the doubleheader, I was listening on the radio, but um, they mentioned that he had had swung at a pitch that was out of the zone and fouled it off. Up near his his chest, like collarbone. And, And so that's normally like where we look for him to be able to draw that walk. Um so I, I wonder if he's maybe pressing a little bit too, sure. but uh, I, with him, he's, uh, I mean, maybe uh, if you know differently, let me know, but it, it, he has always been kind of a streaky guy, at least since he got here, he'll, he'll hit them in bunches. Um, like he'll hit three in a week. And so I think that that's still something that could be seen uh, on Friday. I mean, he was up in a tough spot. They really needed him to uh, single home that tying run, didn't get it done, didn't move the runner over, struck out. I mean, we don't like to see that, um, but I still see a lot of value in giving him opportunities because he does get on base. And um, if the Mets are going to start hitting the ball out of the ballpark, which, I I mean, they've done a lot this week, uh, which coincides with them winning more games, but... um, (laughs) Who who, would have thunk it, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. if they if they're going to do that, then having a guy that'll be on base is is really valuable to be able to put up the crooked number. So, yeah, um, I still like him. I think he's a good teammate. I think he's ultra popular in that clubhouse, and and we'll see how it goes. Uh, I I think they'll they'll continue to give him chances. I think he's got to like kind of embrace the um the and I know I've talked about it a bunch, whether it's here or on Twitter, but. You know, the internal competition aspect, like, okay, if there's guys that are going to come here and produce and, you know, it now it's on you to produce and whether that's bogey and whether that's, you know, we were just talking about Escobar um, and even like keeping the kids on their toes, which they've done a very good job of doing so, so far. Um, you know, it, it keeps everybody sharp when you have someone nipping at your heels. Um are you? I'm going to jump. This is very much off the cuff tonight. I don't have much much of a uh, much of a lineup lined up here. But are you concerned with? I know we were looking for depth, and we you know we got it out of we saw it out of McGill on uh, on Thursday. 
Cookie really struggled. Um, do you think that was a rust thing, or do you look at Carrasco as kind of a weaker link until he can show that he's more? Yeah, I, I think the the latter there. Um, I mean, bone spurs are obviously concerning, but they've been cleaned out. Uh, it's also his first start back, so yeah. I mean, maybe he does better in the second one, but uh, that was basically the worst start that they got this week other than Verlander's poor start, right? It was, man. And Max was terrific. I know he had to leave after like, what, I think 86 pitches or 85 pitches. Uh, he split, split callus on his pitching thumb, which mm-hmm. that can't feel good. Um, but yeah, I, I mean, uh, you know, Justin Verlander looking like, you know, Justin Verlander of a decade ago on Sunday night. Um, and he didn't even need, like, I guess he can reach back and hit, like, you know, 97, 98 when he wants to, but he doesn't need to, especially when his secondary stuff is just hitting so pure as it was all night, Sunday night. Um, I think that it kind of in the same sense, we were looking at, like, uh, you know, everybody keeping up with everybody else. And, I, you know, you'll see that, I think, across the board, whether it's on the offensive side or on the pitching side, you know, this is what you look for in guys like Scherzer and, 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 uh, and Verlander is to set the tone, not just set the example and be the aces that you want them to be, but to set the tone for the rest of the rotation, you know, and again, looking back to McGill, I think he was kind of, I guess that Tampa Bay series, a lot of things kind of kicked into gear, but that confidence that the Mets have kind of, gained in the last week or so especially on the on the pitching side um i i'm still i keep coming back to tyler mcgill and what he did the other night i mean you're only as strong as your weakest link and and i think your weakest link is going to switch on a on a week to week or a start to start or a rotation to rotation basis but um as long as your perceived weakest link can pick it up next time out you know that's kind of the the process you're looking for, it keeps everybody up, keeps everybody fresh. And then you really see what you have. And, you know, I, I don't think that this, the start of the season could have gone much worse for the Mets, but you know, bit by bit and piece by piece, man, they're putting it together. It's really nice to see. Yeah. I, I, the start of the season was fine, right? It was really like this stretch over the last month has been pretty miserable, but um, like we've talked about so many times, it coincides with one, not getting a lot of production out of these corner infield spots. They weren't getting, uh, they still aren't getting much out of Canna. They're, they haven't He's been coming around. He's coming around. Well, I, he hit that one hard, uh, today that I thought was going to be gone, but he was just a, a little bit ahead of it. I think, um, they had not been getting much out of the way of Marte, but he's been turning it around and obviously he had the big hit today. He also scored the winning run in the, in the nightcap. So um, signs of life there, I I think are really good to see, but you mentioned the weakest link and um, until cookie had come back, that had been David Peterson and Peterson just threw a gem at triple a today, eight innings where uh, he didn't give up any runs. I think he gave up. That's helpful, and and the Mets are certainly going to need him at some point soon. You have to assume, yeah. um, But I think it all comes back down to hey, David Peterson. Now he knows that he's really got to step his game up because, you know, now he's got to force his way back in, especially if everyone's going to be healthy and Quintana's coming back soon. Hopefully, yeah. You know, probably a little bit later than than the catching staff will be, but. Um, 
you know, there's going to be openings. There's going to be times then that the Mets are going to need David Peterson for him to go back down and, and get his stuff together and, and come back ready to produce, you know, these are all great things. And uh, yeah, I think, you know, the progression of 162 is a, is a beautiful thing. It's one of the more beautiful things about this game. And it's, um, I think it's going to be the, the, the little subplots and storylines to how the Mets are going to proceed through the season. It's going to be um, just as fun as the, the win-loss record, I think, because there's going to be a lot of peaks and valleys, especially with this the influx of youth, the back end of the rotation, um, that meat and potatoes part of the bullpen. We should talk about the bullpen. Brooks Raley, who I'm going to call put it in the books, Raley, tonight. Nice. Love it. You know, you really can't go wrong when you got a guy who can go out there and get outs and, you know, back two ends of the doubleheader. And, uh, yo, the glove flip was sick. <laughs> that was a really athletic play. It was. You know, it's, um, it's great to see, and it again, it just adds so much more depth and confidence in the next inning. You know, it feels like over the last four, six weeks or whatever, it, that that confidence as a fan, that confidence hasn't been there. You can only imagine what it's what it was looking like behind those closed doors. But right. it's it's palpable now. You could feel it. Yeah, absolutely, and they're having fun and. Um, I, I think I thought it was really cute uh, that Lindor called them the baby Mets. <laughs> and um, I said to the boys uh, after he said that uh, in the post game, I, I said, you know, there's still one more of them down there that's yeah. uh, going to come up and he's going to contribute to this team at some point. I really believe that. Oh, he will. He will. And I think they're just kind of biding their time. As far as his development, as far as what they have on the roster now here, um, you know, Ronnie Mauricio is going to be a part of this, you know, an important part of this organization, this franchise moving forward. I, I really believe that. I, I can't see them, you know, leaving him out there as trade bait now when he might be the guy with a higher ceiling than any of these guys. Who knows? This might be the core of the future. This might be, you know, last year we're all talking about what the Braves are doing and, oh, they're locking up their future for the next 10 years. Well, you know, the Mets the Mets might be looking at the same type of situation with, you know, Beatty, Vientos, Alvarez, and, and, and Mauricio. So um, I think all in due time, I, I do agree with you, he's going to be up here soon, especially if he keeps on hitting the way he is in Syracuse. But um, you got to find spots for him. I think that if, if Vogelback doesn't turn things around, um, yeah. I mean, if he's just going to be a DH type guy, I, I would shift Ronnie into that role if you're ready to part ways with with uh, with Vogelback. But I, I'm not necessarily 100% confident, 100% uh, ready to to cut those ties just yet. Like you said, he's a streaky guy, and if the Mets can get two months of you know hitting 350 with a 900 OPS Vogelback for a little bit. That'd be um, really helpful to the, to the greater cause here. So yeah. uh, it's a real nice thing to have Ronnie in the background, but um, I think they should be patient and, and do it when they have to. But I do agree. Yeah. It, it'll be sooner rather than later. We'll see him this year. Yeah. Which, you know, today I got called uh, a shill uh, about, talking about Vogelback, which I thought was kind of silly because 
look, you and I right now are making it pretty clear we're not married to the idea of Daniel Vogelback staying on the roster, just that I think we have a little bit more patience than a lot of people. And 162 <laughs> games, it requires a little bit of patience. The other thing is that we're not shitty human beings who are like saying, oh, this guy's big. And because he's like a, a larger guy, that that must be why he's not producing at the plate. That's like one of the most fucking ridiculous things. That <laughs> this might be the first time I heard you curse on this show, man. Yeah, because that shit is so stupid. Like, <laughs> dude, if he if he's struggling, if he's not seeing the ball well, it's not because he's like overweight. Oh, that's Twitter, man. Don't let Twitter bother. I, I look, it's just, <laughs> it's nonsensical. And, um, I mean, I, I, so it just makes me want to root for the guy harder. I, oh, I, absolutely. I, I really and you can tell, you can tell the positivity he brings when he's on, you could tell the production he brings. Um, you said it before, you know, just, you can see that he's beloved in the clubhouse by the fans who appreciate him. Like it's, if they do have to cut ties with Daniel Volkback, it's not going to be a happy thing for a lot of fans. It's going to be like, oh, man, that's a shame. He really could have been a big contributor or at least a solid cog in this puzzle. I still think he can be. But, um, yeah, if the Mets are going to be chasing down Atlanta all year and if the offense isn't going to be, you know, <laughs> coming back and winning, you know, five, whatever, five games in a row and coming back in all five – you know, there's going to be dips and and this might be a peak and there's going to be another valley. It's going to be decisions to make. And and if Vogelbeck can't be a consistent producer, it's going to be a tough decision. But, yeah, they might have to look in another direction. But it won't be because of his <laughs> anything besides his, um, his baseball value, his on-field value. It's that that's that's what I mean, unless you're doing something that's completely, you know, wild off the field, yeah. you know, these guys are based on their on-field value. And Daniel Vogelback is still a major league baseball player. It doesn't matter what his body type is. It's it's a, it's a weak excuse for fans who have nothing else to lean on. They don't know how to look at statistics and say like, oh, well, look, maybe he's being a little bit too selective. Maybe he's being, um, you know, may, maybe he's not getting around quick enough. Maybe he's letting the ball get into the zone too, too far. You know, there's a lot of things that can be thought about or at least dissected or, or like eliminated as possibilities. A fan going out and saying, oh, he's fat. Yeah, that's just lazy. It's just a lazy thing to do, and it's it's, it's wrong. I mean, you don't get to this level <laughs> just because you can hit balls far. You yeah. have to be a ball player to get here. And, uh, yeah, Daniel Vogelback and Vogelback's a ball player. He may have, he may be struggling this year, but um, that doesn't take away from what he's accomplished in this game, from what he's accomplished personally in, you know, his chosen career or profession, whatever. Um yeah, that, that's just a it's a very weak excuse for weak minded fans and, and you know, noodle brain fans to to lean on when they have no other original thoughts to pull out of their head. But look, now you got me railing on Twitter. Yeah. I know. <laughs> <laughs> um, so uh, let, let's talk about uh, one of the heroes today. Uh, Marte, he got picked off earlier in the game, which is surprising. I I I don't know how that happened, but um, oh well, he was looking at his uh, he was looking at his, and he's trying to put on his um, his oven mitt, oven mitt, and the clock was going. He, he there was no time to do it. Actually, 
Gary and uh, and the booth got into it a little bit. How this should be kind of one of the amendments to the uh, to the pitch clock rule that there should be allotment for base runners to take off their equipment, put on their equipment, whatever the case may be before things happen, because that's pretty much exactly what happened with Marte. He was messing around with his oven mitt and he got, uh, he was, you know, fell asleep at the base. And then it almost happened again uh, <laughs> with him having a winning run on, uh, uh, in the nightcap. Um, yeah. But the, uh, we, we've seen him hit some balls harder. Um, the averages started to creep up, um, but it's still been 107 at bats between uh, extra base hits. He comes through with the uh, the big home run to put the Mets back in front 5-4 in the first game. Um, what have you been seeing in the last uh, couple weeks from Marte? Uh, do you think that it was the neck that was bothering him? Is it uh, still recovering from the offseason surgery? What, what did you think? I mean, without knowing exactly what's going on with him, you, you could – certainly look at how he's been playing and and presume that something's been bothering him health-wise. Um, what that is, of course, we don't know. But um, he certainly seems to be feeling a little bit better lately. He's mm-hmm. moving better. He looked a little um, shaky rounding second in the – what was that, in the eighth on Sunday night? Yep. Um, I don't know if that was just slipping at the turning – you know, I guess when he was busting to second, ready to turn towards third – I guess the ESPN booth said something and then they only gave us like half a replay, but way to go ESPN. Uh, um, it really is. Can we, just real quick. How bad is the ESPN presentation? Uh, you know, I love David Cohn, David Cohn. I, I like I, him too. Yeah. Forever. He is one of the best pitching minds that I think that we've encountered in broadcasting. Um, if you read his book with Jack Curry, it's, it's outstanding. Um, but yeah, Carl Ravage, and this might be just me, him being like my least favorite Sports Center anchor when I was ten years old, <laughs> um, compared to the rest of that roster at the time. But yeah, I don't know how they're going to go out and spend all this money to retain national, you know, weekly national game rights for Major League Baseball. Spend over half a billion a season to do so. And and put a TV anchor as your play-by-play guy. I don't even mind. Um, oh, what's his name? Eduardo uh, Perez. The Perez. I really don't. Yeah, I he's don't mind him. Um, he's got good thoughts, but again, it, there's no flow to the booth. And I know we're spoiled. We have Gary Cohen. We have the best booth in the, in the yeah. game. We're damn close to it. But yeah, I, I just, even the Gelbs games were well called. <laughs> oh man, Gelbs and uh, Gelbs and Blevins were excellent. That yeah. was so good. Well, and, and Keith, but I think yeah, those guys shined. I, th- I wouldn't be surprised if they move on somewhere else off of that. And Zeal, Zeal also not terrible either. So like, not terrible. RC team is like better than what ESPN trots out there. I mean, look at look at Wayne Randazzo. He came in for a couple yeah. of seasons, a couple of series a year. That turned into an Apple gig, and boom! Now he's all in games for probably one of the uh, the two, you know two of the best players to ever play the game <laughs> and he's calling them daily like uh yeah it's a it's a good springboard one would imagine yeah absolutely i um i was watching the twins the other night and made sure that i put on the angels call so that i could hear 
uh, Wayne do it. He he does a great job. And That's and great. honestly, the ESPN also makes you appreciate the Fox call because Joe Davis is probably the best doing it right now. He's excellent. Um, it's funny. Uh, I had such a, I guess, a stick in in Joe Buck's mud for a while. But that's probably because I, you know, I'm a Giants fan. I'm a Giants football fan. Yeah. So Joe Buck just irked me from that aspect. Um, you know, going, I, I'm a, you know, I'm a baseball junkie, so I'll pop on a World Series game from the '90s or the 2000s or something, just you know, to watch a ball game. Yeah. Joe Buck's like Joe Buck and Tim McCarver. As much shit as I gave them for all those years. Listening to them now, listening to their games now, they really aren't half bad. <laughs> and compared to what you hear, like on, you know, just, you know, individual broadcasts, watching on, you know, the uh, the MLB TV, whatever, you know, there's some really good booths out there. Pittsburgh's really good. Um, oh, there's a few out there, but there's some really bad ones. But, you know, nationally wise, yeah, man. I mean, what ESPN's doing, they have such a great foundation. Remember they used to do the Satcast broadcast. I think that they could do a, a version of that and do really well. Um, yeah, just why waste all that money and put out a B product? It just doesn't make sense. Yeah. You want to take uh, a quick break? Talk about the catchers. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> we got a little off track, but that's all right. It's a winning streak. We do what we want. Yeah. Um, all right, hang tight, guys. We'll be right back. All right. Well, um, we've been waiting for. Well, in you know, in some cases six weeks, in some cases four weeks, in some cases two weeks. But the uh, the Mets are about to have an influx of catchers back on their roster. Uh, Tomas Nito is dealing with some vision problems. He's starting his rehab assignment. I believe he's, he began that this weekend. Uh, Omar Narvaez is slated to begin his rehab assignment soon. Of course, Francisco Alvarez is. Uh, acclimating himself very well and uh gary sanchez former yankees uh all-star um pretty much said you know did all he could in syracuse when the mets brought him on and uh his deadline to be added to the roster was uh upon it was upon the mets so they added him now they have uh quite the log jam um our buddy eric at the apple talked a little bit about it this weekend uh I know Laura Albanese over at Newsday had a really, really just a, a terrific article about, uh, I guess, pointing in the direction of Francisco Alvarez. That should be the Mets' starting catcher. Yes. Um, Taryn, are you in the boat that Alvarez should be the lead guy? Or uh, is is he kind of drifting into the background? So the quote-unquote, you know, A-B tandem that was supposed to be here is going to uh, – Go ahead and take the lead. No, no, it's Alvy, and he's up, and he's proving it, and it, it has to be him. Uh, and and I'm saying that even if he struggles, I think you stick with him at this point. Um, and obviously, you know, sprinkling in uh, um, Narvaez when he gets back. But uh, no, the the truth is that Gary Sanchez doesn't have a, a future with the Mets, right? And and Nito is not going to give you the production that Narvaez or uh, Alvarez are going to give you. So um, I think that the decision here is pretty clear in, in that you roll with the guy who has the best future in every game of this 
uh, series and really every game this week, Alvarez made a big play that that really uh, made a difference uh, towards helping the team win, um, whether it was the three-run home run with two outs um, against uh, Tampa Bay or it was the um, – the down to his last strike against one of the most fearsome closers in major league baseball. And he, and he rockets one through the hole to, to score Escobar. I, this is a guy that has a high level hit tool and you see what he can do behind the plate too. Uh, and he's one of the best framers already that, that baseball has. I don't think that you look at a guy like this and then say, um, yeah, we, we, we can do better because it's just not true. Even with growing pains, I think that Alvarez is the best choice for the Mets right now and and in the future. And uh, again, I, you know, I'm going to keep harping on this because this is something that we've talked about um, and a point that I've made, but they made the decision not to trade him. They made the decision not to trade all of these guys. And it's not like they're replacing these. You know, he's not coming in and replacing Yadier Molina behind the plate or Buster Posey. <laughs> You know, it's Narvaez who they signed in free agency. It's just a few-year deal. Um, Nito, who, you know, he's a homegrown guy, but it's – I mean, he hasn't shown a lot at the plate. He's pretty good behind the plate, but hasn't shown a lot uh, uh, at the dish. I I want – he he had eye plugs put in. Maybe that'll improve it. I I don't know, but um, I'm a big believer in Alvarez. And I think you are too. And and we've waited a long time for him to come up and, and he's showing that he can contribute to the team and he brings a lot of energy. And even in the nightcap, it's his single and Marte comes in as a pinch runner, but it's his single that gets that started in the ninth. So, uh, or in the eighth, sorry. I, I, I think he's a really special player. I think he's the real deal. Uh, he's, he does not appear shaken. He appears to be, uh, just getting used to the game, getting used to the speed of this level. Um, you talked about it on Friday. He started, got things started after getting the Mets, after the Mets found themselves in a deep hole with the home run um, in the fifth on Friday. Uh, of course, later in the game, the uh, base hit to uh, to tie things up and yep. uh, Lindor ended up finishing it. And then, like you said, on uh, on Sunday night, um, he got things started in the eighth to, to get it done again. Like, you don't see that type of progress. And I, I keep on th- looking back to his uh, home run versus Rogers against the San Francisco Giants. Mm-hmm. That upside down freaking slider coming from, you know, six o'clock on the clock and going up towards 12 when, by the time he gets to him. Um, yeah. He took that thing yard and he was in, like still in the midst of getting used to major league pitching and he wasn't even close to comfortable at the plate. And, I, I mean, I could go back to that date. I don't know the exact numbers, but it feels like since then, he's been a completely different player. And that confidence just keeps building and building and building. I mean, you can look at Beatty and say the same thing, but we're talking about the catchers for right now. Yeah, no, you want to you want to foster that growth. You want You want to continue to let that flower blossom because what you have here is something really special. And... You know, if Sanchez can be a DH option and there's a roster spot for him, great. What it comes down to is is who's going to be more valuable for this roster moving forward as a quote-unquote quote unquote third catcher DH option. Is it going to be Tomas Nito? Is it going to be Gary Sanchez? 
Now, yeah. of course, Sanchez is going to catch as much as Nito would, but you know, with Narvaez and Alvarez, assuming that they're leading the way, neither would be catching that much off anyway. And if you're looking at who's going to hit more as a DH or off the bench option, it's obviously going to be Sanchez. So it hurts to to think about it that, you know, Tomas, not, Tomas Nito has been just a excellent, outstanding, you know, A plus, A plus, 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 plus soldier for this team yeah. forever. He's been here for a very long time and he's done everything that he's been asked and he's probably overachieved in some ways. Yes. Unfortunately, it just might be time to, to kind of move away from him and that sucks, but you know, it, Alvarez. Yeah, I, I mean, he was definitely the best option last year. Yeah. Um, but that says more about who else they had. Like third catcher too. So uh, <laughs> I don't know how McCann lasted as long as he did here. He just uh, having such a tough time. Probably because of the contract. Yeah. Uh, still. Why even bring him in over one good year? It's so blows my mind. Well, yeah. I, I wish that Real Muto had been an option at the time because he, I think he's had um, – I mean, not this year. I think he struggled this year, right? But uh, oh, but he was. They chose to go McCann. And Real was Muto he actually was an option? Him. Sorry? Was he actually an option? I, we don't have to relitigate the whole thing. I, I, I just thought he didn't want to be in New York. Oh, I thought that he was kind of waiting for that call. That that's this is kind of I, I don't have the story in front of me, but I took it as he was, you know, the Mets kind of made their decision, said we're going with McCann and, and Real Muto was still out there. Unless huh. I'm confused, but I'm pretty sure that the Mets went and got McCann real early in the offseason. Yeah, they did. I just thought it was because Real Muto didn't want to sign with them. Um See, but know. no, you're right. You're right. Um he uh he said I wish I knew they didn't try. They didn't even really try. They called me right when the offseason started and say, hey, we want you to be part of the organization. I said, great, works for me. I have no problem. There were all these reports that I don't want to play in New York. I never said that one time. I told them, yeah, absolutely. I'd love to talk, get to know everybody in the organization. I didn't hear from them for a month after that, not a word. So I, that sucks. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, you know, it took a little while, but it looks like the Mets do finally have their catcher. But they do. yeah. That could have certainly put a, a different spin on things. <laughs> it would have. And, and yeah. with Alvarez, too, I, I want to point out, like, a few things. So, um, do you remember he came up in a big spot last year, runners in scoring position in Atlanta. It was, like, right after he got called up, uh, he swung through three uh, – no, it was actually a pretty solid at bat, but he did strike out on a high fastball. And then, um, uh, so he didn't get the job done there. Uh, and then against Hader uh, earlier this year, big spot, uh, and he struck out uh, with runners in scoring position. And then you compare that, which, so that last one was like a month ago. Um, since then, I mean, what a difference. That's the guy that I want up in these spots now. It's um, it's awesome how he has risen to this moment and, like, grabbed this job. And, and given his age, that's really, like, something that the organization should want to reward because that also shows to the other prospects, like, hey, if you, if you work so hard that you force our hand, 
and get up here and you win this job, we're going to give you the opportunity to really run with it. Um, and so I think it's really good on multiple levels. I, I hope that he sticks around and, I, and I'm willing to stick with him, even if he starts to struggle. This is uh, right. this has been awesome. I, I love him. And and so I was talking to, um, uh, you know, I was with uh, my uh, fiance's family. So her um, her brothers in laws and uh, there are a bunch of little kids there and they're all Mets fans. And so I was asking them, like, who of the baby Mets are your favorite? And they they all said Alvarez. All right. Yeah. So like um, I, and it was a tough decision for them. Um, Maddie went back and forth between uh, Beatty and Alvarez, but he did ultimately say Alvarez. So I think this guy is going to be just a superstar, right? Like New York doesn't seem too big for him. He's he's like got an interesting look about him. He's got this great energy. He, uh, he's got his tongue out almost as much as uh, the captain did. It's, <laughs> it's awesome, man. Like I I'm such a, a big fan. I'm like really smitten with, uh, with Alvy. So I hope that they, they keep giving him these opportunities. He deserves it. Well, I mean, you know, all right. So over his last 15 games, he's hitting 271, 364, 604. That's, that's going to play. Yeah. Now, you were talking about like, oh, he's still going to, you know, experience dips. Over his last seven games, he's hitting 217, 333, 522, which is still a really nice OPS. But we we were, we're experiencing the little, you know, quote unquote dip right now. And we haven't even noticed it. He's been that valuable. The guy still drops bombs, dude. He's still ripping the ball at 105 miles an hour through the yeah. through the hole. It's awesome. And he's doing his thing defensively. Yeah. You know, there's always going to be rough edges for a rookie but boy he's smoothing these things out so quickly and it's i think that's probably what's what's most encouraging about what we're watching is the progress which we're seeing him in Beatty, and and we haven't really seen much of vientos yet but the comfort level and the power oh my goodness the pop you know all these guys and this again it could be applied to anybody the more you succeed at this level the more comfortable you are at this level and you know, if you've got that talent and the ability to continue to play that cat and mouse adjustment game with pitching, um, you know, it's kind of, the, you know, that's the perfect storm that you're looking for in a ball player. And, and the Mets, whether it's you're looking at the catchers or you're looking at anybody on the staff, you want that makeup. And, and even going back to Peterson from the first half, he's been getting rocked. If he's ready to turn things around and thinks he found something – it's just it speaks even more to what this team and this organization is trying to do. And, the, you know, the vibe that that builds when things are going well. And, you know, when you have to come down to maybe cutting Tomas Nito, who's like we said, has been a real important part in favor of one of these new guys who's showing this much promise and this much this kind of trajectory. You know, again, it speaks to a much larger more encouraging situation and you know again not to get too far off track it's just such a it's a completely different path than this organization was on for so long and it's almost like i'm still getting used to it i guess yeah absolutely um trying to see if uh nito has any no he doesn't have any options left 
No, they bought out his final arbitration year this offseason. So he's signed for this year and next year. And it's nothing. It's like one point something million for this year and next. Um, but his options, I believe, were rescinded with that extension mm-hmm. as well as his uh, arbitration eligibility. But he'll still enter free agency after next season. But again, with the you know very limited cost that it's attached to him, the Mets could cut ties and, and be fine there. But, you know, for guys that do have options, I mean, you saw them use him with Luis Guillorme, which a lot of people probably didn't expect, especially because of his versatility and, you know, his ability to hit from the other side of the plate. Um, you know, these are all factors that are going to have to come into play however they're going in whatever direction. Um, you know, I think Nito serves – a lot more than just his on-field value, especially in the clubhouse with the catchers, with the pitching staff. Um, it's going to be a tough decision. I'm not. I'm not envious of the people who have to make that call. Yeah, I feel like they've had to make a lot of tough baseball decisions, but that's what the money's for. Yeah, uh, it's got to be a lot easier when you got the you know the money to to back it up, and now you got a little you know at least some. Uh, some momentum, some wins in their pocket, and at least a little bit of uh, promise and, and encouragement to what's to come. It, it certainly makes the job, oh, you have to assume, makes the job a little bit easier. Yeah. Oh, so hey, Mets, uh, we have we have a true off day on Monday, which is very nice, and then uh, right back to it. Yeah, absolutely. Going to Wrigley, uh, going to get a chance to um, have some – Wait, are they – they're all night games, right, at Wrigley? Uh, I believe – I don't know if getaway day – yeah. No, getaway day Thursday is a uh, is a night game, and that's Cookies back against Tyon on Thursday. That's so weird. Yeah, well, I guess they're going straight from Chicago to Colorado. Yeah, I just feel like you normally get day games at, at Wrigley. I guess they do the Friday afternoon game still, so I don't know if they do two in a row. Hmm. Do, are, are we going to see old friend uh, Marcus Stroman? Um, I know we got Smiley. Yeah, we do. We have Stroman on Wednesday against McGill. Oh. That should be a good one. You got Sanga and Smiley going on Tuesday. And Carrasco and Tyon going on, on Wednesday. Should be good. We'll get a chance to see Morrell. He'll hit at least one. He hit another one today. I think he's got nine home runs in 11 games. Yeah, dude. The, the one that he hit here in in Minnesota, very, very few right-handed batters ever hit balls up there. I That was – he went the other way with it, and it, it was just – it was really a sight to see. <laughs> I, was, I was, like, sitting there in awe because we had talked about him earlier that day. Like, yeah, you had said like, "Oh yeah, he just came up." Yeah, yeah, he made himself felt as soon as he came up. That was, uh, yeah, that guy can hit. Oh man, it, it makes you wonder, you know, how Nick Madrigal got the nod for opening day ahead of Morel. But hey, who's it's Jed Hoyer there still, right? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, yeah he's just, I mean, he's just smart guy. I guess they time. had their reasons, but boy, Morel's making him eat those words now. Yeah, they they hired that guy Carter Hawkins from the uh, the Indians also. Guardians, the Guardians. Never <laughs> worked for the Guardians, I think. Um, yeah, 
but yeah, yeah hey, you know, uh, you don't want to overlook any teams, but um, no, especially with the way that the Mets have been playing against uh, some not so good competition. Yeah, uh, I just hope the wind's blowing out and kind of keep this 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 buzz going with this team. Let these guys hit their dingers, and then I don't know if you remember 2006, but the Mets went into Chicago and hit. I want to see two grand slams in one game. Beltran and Delgado possibly, or Beltran and shit. Shoot, I can't remember who it was. But boy, the the tear that they went on after that trip to Chicago was considerable. And, you know, it's amazing what a a good stretch can do for a team. And I think you're seeing it now. And, uh, you know, going into a, 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 a beatable series, a winnable series, a couple of winnable series with a uh, hopefully some revenge on the mind for any any damage Colorado may have caused earlier in the year. Um, uh, in two thousand six, they they hit the uh, they hit the grand slams in the same inning. Same inning. Okay, now was it, it was it Beltran and Delgado? It was Cliff Floyd and Carlos Beltran. Ah, Cliff Floyd and, and David Wright had a two run home run in that inning also. Oh, there we go. Okay. I this knew it was something, crazy. man, but yeah. I don't you know. remember this at all. 16 batters came to the plate, 41 minutes in that half inning. You don't remember it? Oh, man, I remember that series. Every single every single part of that season, I can tell you, little bits and pieces. Oh, what a magical year. Now, do you, if you have it in front of you, what was their record after that game, like next 10 games? Uh, let's just look. Um, Hold on, 2006, Matt's. Yeah, we've got time. Yeah. <laughs> we said it was going to be 20, 30 minutes today. Oh, well. I have it here, too. Boy, 97 wins. Falling just short. So that was July 16th that they did that. Okay. Um, after that, they went, how long do you want? Till the end of the month? Yeah, I'm looking at it now, too. So it looks like they lost three down there. But boy, they were reeling off some wins and wins and wins for a while. I see four in a row. I see three in a row. I see five in a row a couple of weeks later. My goodness. That was a team, bro. That was a great team. My, that was a. I really thought of that. <laughs> that was a great team. Ah, dude, I, you know, Xavier Nady would have made that team so much better in the playoffs, but you got to do certain things. Oh, well. Yeah. Ah. Anything else we got on the docket today? No. Um, uh, I, I think I've told you about I love Wrigley, and uh, I think it's such a special place. So the fact that we'll get to watch our team play there and and listen to to Gary back in the booth, and yeah. um, I'm really looking forward to this week and some good baseball. Yes, yes. Some more wins. More wins and, uh, you know, chop away at that deficit. Um yeah, I just I hope the Mets find the groove that they need to be in to to compete because they're built they're built to compete and I think that they still have some more moves in them and some reinforcements to uh, to add to the mix and yeah I'm I'm excited the vibes may have been rancid but boy these these vibes are back oh yeah just all a right. little breeze we're all good yeah oh yeah peaks and valleys baby all right everybody we are back at the end of the week hopefully more dubs to discuss and uh until then you know the sign off it's let's fucking go mets we'll see you guys next time peace